0: Today is Wednesday, February 28th. The title for our devotional is The Paradigm of Christ, again. Moving right along, uh, here in 1 Peter, we come to 3:18 to 22 Peter is going to ground his argument yet again in the example of Christ, just as he did in the chapter previously in his uh, exhortations to the household servants, where he grounds that in the life of Christ. Here, he is supporting his teaching that Christians are to continue doing good, even if it results in suffering. So again, the life of Christ has so changed Peter's perspective that he has built everything on Jesus. And the old Christian cliche, what would Jesus do, is um, very true according to what Peter is teaching here. So, 1 Peter 3, 18-22. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison To 22, We'll cover those in a minute. Uh, but let's just first look at the big picture of what Peter's trying to say here and keep that in mind. Uh, big picture, this text grounds the believer's willingness to suffer persecution in the death of Christ, as we've already said, but also in the power of his resurrection now. He intends to encourage his readers that suffering and death is not the end of the story. Resurrection and victory follow death and defeat in the Christian life, just as it was with Christ. Christ was perfectly righteous, yet he suffered according to the will of God. His suffering was God's will to redeem his people. Perfect righteousness doesn't mean that we will be exempt from suffering as the prosperity gospel implies. Even Jesus suffered. Jesus did this, that we might be brought to God. In the sphere of his flesh, he is put to death, but in the sphere of the spirit, he was made alive. Again, the Christian life is to be patterned after Christ. He is our cornerstone. He is the pattern after which we trace our lives. This is what Dallas Willard calls the secret to the easy yoke and light burden of Christ, That is living the way Jesus lived. Following the paradigm of Jesus is not some add-on to the Christian faith for the super-holy people. It is beholden upon every Christian. Jesus must be our primary influence for how we live. And that is the secret to the easy yoke and the light burden of Christ, is to follow the way of Jesus. I've heard Christians today say things like meekness and humility don't work, We've tried that, and Christianity is still losing influence and power in our society. We need to fight fire with fire. This is just flat-out wrong, according to Scripture and the life of Jesus and what Peter teaches here. No matter how severe the persecution gets, we are to continue doing good and even blessing those who would persecute us. And that is the way of Jesus. Verses 19-22, to then, are probably the most difficult verses to interpret in the New Testament. Uh, Many options have been proposed, Uh, What I'm going to do here is just try to give you the Cliff Notes version, and then we'll get back to the main idea. Uh, The put to death and made alive in the spirit of verse 18 likely refers to Christ's death and resurrection. The he went in verse 19 is likely referring to his ascension. Note the three key aspects of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. His death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Peter has in mind here that whole scene. Uh, Verse 20 raises questions like, where did Christ go? Uh, Who are the imprisoned spirits? What did he say to them? Uh, Some versions of the Apostles' Creed suggest that Jesus went to hell and preached to the spirits in prison there. That interpretation has largely fallen out of favor today. Uh, Much of this text is based on the book of 1 Enoch, which is frankly bizarre and seeks to add context to the strange passages of Genesis 6. Uh, This text was popular in the first century and Peter's audience was likely familiar with it. Taking into that account the connection with First Peter, the spirits he preached to would be evil, demonic spirits then. I'm not getting into the story of First Enoch. It's wild. It's bizarre. In his resurrection and ascension, he proclaimed victory and power over them, and thus he also proclaimed their condemnation. So he's preaching to evil, demonic spirits, uh, demonic spirits, and in his resurrection and ascension, he's proclaiming victory and power and their condemnation. So he then references the Noah account. Interestingly, these regions of Asia Minor that he's writing to are the regions in which Noah's ark was thought to have landed. So therefore, the Noah flood account was well known in this region. Both Noah and Enoch, according to the traditions uh, his audience was familiar with, preached a message of righteousness and repentance to the people of their time, and therefore a message of condemnation to those who didn't listen. So Karen Job summarizes the meaning of this passage well, I think. She says, this is a lengthy Peter wishes to connect the sins of angelic beings in the ancient past, the victorious proclamation of the risen Christ, and the lives of the Christian believers now. He uses the flood as a type of God's catastrophic judgment, which happened only after God's restrained patience, and he poses the survival of Noah from the divine judgment as a type of Christian salvation, which involves the tamed waters of baptism. His point is that just as there were only a few saved from the flood, uh, they were nevertheless and certainly saved. Therefore, despite their small numbers, the Christians in Asia Minor are not lost to God's concern in the mass of pagan humanity, and God saves the righteous in spite of their small number. Moreover, though the pagans of Noah's time spurned his warning to repent, God's patience did not imply God's indifference. Just as the rain eventually began to fall for 40 days and 40 nights, the final judgment of God also overtook scoffing unbelievers in the future. The God who saved Noah is the same God who will save Christian believers. These points were meant to be words of encouragement to the Christians of Asia Minor who, like Noah, were being derided and maligned by their society because of their faith. End quote. Alright, that's the big picture of it. Uh, In verse 21, Peter links typologically the Noah flood to baptism. Typology refers to Old Testament foreshadows of the New Testament realities. Uh, Roman coins have been excavated in this region, containing Noah on the one side and the coin of the emperor on the other, or the face of the emperor on the other side. This indicates that there is a strong Noah tradition in this region, even in the culture outside of Judaism and Christianity. So this is, again, an attempt to connect the culture uh, with what Peter is saying. Noah's flood represented judgment and salvation for the eight. Uh, the water that brought judgment also was the means of saving Noah and his family. At first reading, it may seem as if Peter is teaching that baptism is effective for salvation. However, it must be noted that Peter is careful to make the distinction between the water that saved Noah and his family from the water of baptism. He makes this distinction by saying that we are saved well, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's not a removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience. Both point to the spiritual reality that baptism represents, repentance and new life in Christ. He then ends with a declaration of Christ's elevation to the place of power and authority over all creation. Who has gone? He says, "Who has gone into heaven is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him." Again, this uh, supports the point that the spirits that Jesus preached to were uh, demonic spirits and not people. All right. Those last few verses are strange and we can get lost in them, but don't miss the main point again that Peter is making. So for reflection, pattern your life after Christ. On the other end of suffering in the flesh is life in the spirit, just as on the other end of Jesus' death was resurrection and ascension. Commit yourself to following the way of Jesus wholly, even if it leads to suffering, because you also have the hope of resurrection in Christ.